0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. An opportunity coming over this next hour to check the spiritual pulse of our nearest neighbour to the north, Papua New Guinea. There are some big developments there where Papua New Guineans are being asked whether they want their country to be officially declared a Christian nation. About 98% of PNG's people identify as Christian. There is no state religion, although the preamble to the Constitution mentions the Christian principles the country is founded upon. The Prime Minister, James Marape, has tied religion to his vision for the country. Christianity first gained popularity in the late 19th century, but when Pentecostal missionaries arrived... Midway through the 20th century, an emphasis changed to a power-filled gospel, demonstration of the power of God over evil spirits, miraculous signs, and empowerment of believers through the Holy Spirit have connected the PNG people, who are very attuned to a spiritual realm, Well, our special guest today is Matthew Tarpus, the National Leader of the Christian Apostolic Fellowship in Papua New Guinea. He leads a movement with 600 churches. Matthew travels the length and breadth of PNG conducting evangelistic campaigns, and he's no stranger to the power of God transforming lives and communities. And I want to make a special welcome to Matthew Tarpus. Matthew, welcome along to 2020.
1: Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Neil, for having me on the program.
0: And I must say, uh, Matthew and I have been friends for a very long time. We studied together in Bible College back in 1988. And uh, Matthew, I can just see you now as I cast my memories back, standing and shivering Waiting beside the road on a cold, wet Melbourne winter's morning <laughs> and never having really experienced cold weather like that before. I, I guess you have some fond memories.
1: I definitely do. I definitely do, mate. And I can remember waiting for you to come pick me by and. Yeah, and then travelling together to the college and dropping me off. It was great fun.
0: (laughs) Well, isn't it significant? Here we are all these years later and connecting today in a public conversation with our friends listening all over Australia. And... Uh, you know, uh, having studied together a long, long time ago, Bible College in Melbourne, and here you are, and the national leader of the Christian Apostolic Fellowship in PNG, you've been at that role for quite a while now, haven't you?
1: Yes, I've been on uh, in that role for uh, seven years now and going.
0: Uh, of course, you've married and you've raised a family and uh, you've even tried your hand in politics. Uh, give us a little bit of history here.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I am married and uh, I have uh, six children, five boys and a girl. Uh, I've been around a fair, uh, fair bit, uh, working uh, in the secular employment straight of the Bible College, uh, and uh, manage companies, and after that, I tried into politics. I uh, tried Lord Mayor of the third largest city. I lost by one one vote. Uh, and then I uh, got a phone call from a friend who told me, Politics is not in you. Uh, my, you, you need to go into full time ministry, and that is what I did.
0: Full-time ministry for you. I mentioned in the introduction traveling the length and breadth of Papua New Guinea and uh, lots of listeners will be familiar with you know, the fact that the capital in Papua New Guinea, Port Moresby, but lots of people don't know a whole lot more about PNG other than the name of the capital. But you've traveled extensively, not only in cities and villages, but also into really isolated places uh, deep in the jungles of Papua New Guinea.
1: Uh, Definitely, uh, definitely, Neil. Uh, Many people hear about Port Moresby and they uh, presume the rest of Papua New Guinea is like Port Moresby or or Montalien for that matter. Uh, But the fact of the matter is that 80% of the population still live in the rural areas. Some with no road links, uh, only accessible by small airstrips, uh, by boats and canoes, etc., and most of the time, you find that you do not get the necessary services that are readily available uh, to the general population out out in the uh, nowhere. And so, uh, with the church being good, providing not only uh, spiritual nourishment, but they're out there providing health services and education, which we are also doing at the moment. And so, uh, most of the time, people resort to the church and uh, for their daily need and survival when it comes to going to the nearest health centre, taking three or four days to walk, they resort to God and they see the miraculous.
0: Matthew, some of the crime issues in PNG from what I understand uh, when you've got activity that's going on in the main centres and some of those can be quite prosperous. uh, You have people who have been out living in tribal uh, villages uh, who are thinking they go to the city to make it big, to prosper. And they do find it hard when they get there, and so there's some level of crime and uh, all sorts of things that carry on there. What are your insights into some of the issues there going on, simmering below the surface in, in typical PNG communities? Well,
1: the Papua New Guinea community is basically in tribes and family, and it's quite very strong, and you cannot dismantle that. We are clustered together, more family-orientated. We know four or five generations back, and and we have cousins and cousin brothers here and there and everywhere, more like the Aboriginal community back in Australia. And so when they come into into cities like Port Moresby, they're more clustered together. They identify themselves with the uh, local community which they come from. And so... uh, Having that in mind, also uh, when we were educated, like for myself, we were ta- we were taught that you get a good education, uh, you will have the white man's dream and live like them and everything. And so we went for school, thinking along that nature, and that was the ideal, but not the reality. And uh, right now, as we speak, you know the the outcome of government trying to provide employment, they cannot. There's no uh, there's no improvement in an increasing number of employment opportunities in Papua New Guinea. And so what is happening is that you have graduates from the university, you have uh, those that have not gone up to the university, but yet down the years, 11 or 12, et cetera, and colleges um, uh, come to the city to look for employment, and there aren't any. And so we have a problem where... Uh, Basically, because there is nothing that they can do, and I guess elsewhere in every major cities and in 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 the nations of the world, uh, they resort to petty crimes, and so this is one of the social issues. And I believe uh, the government, if the government has that vision, to to enhance uh, to find that means and ways to provide employment for the young. Younger generation that uh, basically out of schools, colleges, and universities, I believe that we would have a, a crime that would be level would drop.
0: Wow. Now, I imagine that it doesn't get any easier with a COVID crisis on your doorstep either. Uh, what can you tell us about how things have progressed so far as Papua New Guinea and COVID? What sort of difference has it made for churches and, uh, and for general communities?
1: Yes, uh, COVID has been an issue. Last year, basically, the country was shut down. And so it affected many businesses and those that were seriously affected are the uh, small range businesses, et cetera. And so and that didn't help with the prices of goods and services going up. Uh, and we're still trying to recover from that. Uh, and then with COVID as we speak right now, and there's very interesting, very interesting COVID and the threat that is out there in the media, that pains, a gloom picture not only of Papua New Guinea, but from all over the world. And so there's an amount of fear uh, that is going around uh, at the moment. But on the other side, you know, uh, we believe that God is in total control. When the first wave of COVID hit Papua New Guinea uh, last year in March, uh, the prime minister declared that there should be a 21 days of fasting and Not knowing that we, at the body of Christ, we also simultaneously, uh, we said that we we, we proposed for all the churches to participate in a 21-day fasting prayer. And praise God, no death was recorded at the time, although there were symptoms of COVID-19 and everything, uh, the people we sort of got uh, nearly, if you would understand, and you've been here in Papua New Guinea, we clustered together, the environment in Papua New Guinea is such, uh, you would see that the people are uh, uh, not really uh, they're worried about their health and stuff like that, and so for COVID to pass through from one person to another and to groups of people and to the city is not a problem, uh, and people in Papua New Guinea uh we would have died like flies, falling down like flies. But it didn't happen because we, the church, stood up and we prayed against COVID-19 and uh, that spirit of death at that very time when the world was, everyone was running with fear and people were locked up and in indoors and stuff like that. Uh, Papua New Guinea uh, raised up equal to the task and with the church out there in the front line uh, telling the people that fear is the uh, direct opposite of faith and you have faith in God was much bigger than than the, the spirit of COVID-19. And so people uh, refused re- to listen to the church leaders. And our churches were not really that close. People were coming in, uh, in the little church that I pastor, for, for instance, uh, when COVID was up really high at the time, maybe... Five, six, seven, or eight people wouldn't come to church, but everyone did come to church because they believed that uh, supernatural intervention at this very point in time was uh, much more needed than what the government or the health service could provide at the time. And so, uh, yeah, we we have seen the hand of God. A total case to date, uh, Papua New Guinea, as we speak, is uh, 17,000. 340 cases reported. Out of that, 16,975 have recovered and 179 deaths reported with COVID. The thing is this, Neil, and the listeners in Australia, uh, these deaths are not actually from COVID itself, but it is underlying sicknesses that they have had, and so like from the asthmatic patients, uh, people with heart condition, uh, people with high blood pressure, um, etc., have succumbed. Otherwise, at this very point in time as I speak, uh, there's no death. Uh, reported in Papua New Guinea that is caused by COVID itself. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
0: Our special guest this hour is Matthew Tarpus, the national leader of the Christian Apostolic Fellowship in Papua New Guinea. He leads a movement with 600 churches We're getting a bit of an opportunity to check the spiritual pulse of PNG and, of course, with issues around COVID too that have been affecting the economy in Papua New Guinea. Matthew, just before we move on from this, uh, just touch on a moment here because I know you said that people who have been connected with churches in Papua New Guinea have been somewhat freed from the fear that comes from getting COVID, and uh, there are some pushes in Papua New Guinea to actually outlaw the vaccination program. Now, uh, that'll be very divisive for some people hearing that, but what's actually going on in Papua New Guinea?
1: Okay, uh, Neil, what's happening here in Papua New Guinea is that the percentage-wise in terms of of, uh, vaccination uh, is almost down to point uh, one-something. And uh, firstly, I'd like to thank the Australian government for providing us with the uh, vaccines, uh, something of which we've always uh, seen Australia as our our mother uh, motherland. And that has always been the case, regardless. We've been uh, independence for almost 41 years, 42 years, we speak right now. But thank you so much, uh, Australian public and those that are listening. You've always been wonderful, and we're always grateful for that. Okay, uh Neil, going back to the question... Uh, the people in Papua New Guinea realize that uh, although there is so much uh, imposing freedom of movement, etc., what's happening is that out in the villages and even in cities, lots of gatherings, we're witnessing that there is something, something that is phenomenal in a country where people are clustered together, grouped together, in buses that are crowded together, uh, similar to what's happening in india would be happening here in papua New Guinea, but it is not happening people are not just coming down people are not falling on the roadways and and uh, byways by the uh, covid uh, 19 disease and so with that the people are saying no uh, the, the, there's been so much infringement of our movement the freedom which is universal for everyone. Freedom of speech, freedom of movement, uh, freedom of worshipping, everything else, and the government should not really clip, cl- cl- clamp, it, uh, clamp it down because of a disease that obviously will be here forever. This is not something that we will er- eradicate. And the question is, AIDS has been around for for so many years, Papua New Guinea people dying 26,000 a year, so what's happening? They haven't produced any vaccine for that. Malaria is a bigger killer. 30,000 die every year. Not compared to, 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 to COVID-19. And so people are rationalizing, people are talking among themselves, and they say, wait a minute, there is something that is definitely wrong, something that is has that is been pushed and, and fear that has been uh, shut down uh, by people from outside, and so the government is listening to it, and everyone is doing it, and we are asking questions, and even our medical doctors And scientists in Papua New Guinea are not able to answer the questions that we are asking. And so the people set up and they say, no, this must not go on. And so right now as we speak, uh, the people movement in Papua New Guinea are trying to get a Supreme Court application uh, in motion right now as we speak uh, to stop the vaccination and everything, anything that is relating to it that infringes the movement of the people and the freedom of the people that we enjoy.
0: So all of the impact on freedoms, uh, the way that movements have been stopped, those are the sorts of things that people are protesting about in Papua New Guinea. And when you put it into a context, and uh, we don't have 30,000 dying every year of malaria here in Australia, but if you have 30,000 dying of malaria in Papua New Guinea and you have then, as you say, 179 deaths uh, from... Uh, COVID, uh, then you can imagine a people's movement uh, might be concerned about how freedoms are being disrupted because of the COVID. Uh, measures that are in place from governments and uh, around issues of power hey let's not get uh, too caught up in COVID uh, we'll uh, we'll t- probably talk some more uh, about things because COVID no doubt is going to be an important issue to rise but uh, there are an opportunity here for do- today uh, 1-800-316-316 for listeners to interact with our very special guest Matthew Tarpus and uh, let's take a call from Vela who is in Cairns hello Vella. welcome along Oh, hi there. Good morning. Good morning. Vela, yes. what are your thoughts for our conversation?
2: Yeah, it's great to hear uh, what uh, the party is saying there. Um, look, uh, I have, um, I live in Canton but I have older children who are around PNG. and uh, I've been talking to them about uh, what are they seeing daily or weekly at, uh, uh, so in TNG, um, around PNG and what what are they hearing? And I, I agree with what uh, the pastor said there. I think the fate of the people is, um, I think that differentiates them from perhaps many nations.
0: Vela, good thoughts there. The freedom of the yes. people are being considered a uh, very, very high priority. Matthew, what are your thoughts for Vela?
1: Uh, thank you so much, Vela. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Papua New Guinea, as we say, is a country that is so clustered together, people are well, very, very strongly family oriented and everything. And for, for the government to come and for people to put protocols in place to basically stop that, uh, we'll always ever have a rise of people that say, no, this has not, never been, and we're not going to accept that.
0: Vela, thank you so much for your call our talk back line open on 1-800-316-316 Matthew, uh, only a couple of minutes out from the news, let me ask you about links so far as church goes uh, to Papua New Guinea and the movement that you're leading, the Christian Apostolic Fellowship, been there since about the 1950s Uh, give us a little bit of an idea of the connection between Australia and PNG so far as mission goes
1: uh, Thank you so much. The uh, Australian Apostolic Movement, uh, now known as ACTS, uh, came to my village in the year 1954. And so the work, the Apostolic Movement, started up in, in uh, uh, Anger, the western end of the western uh, of the uh, highlands. And then it just slowly moved down into the coast, and we have covered all of the provinces except three which we believe in to recover by the end of this year. Thank you, Nate.
0: That, is, so our th- con- that th- is the
1: connection with the, with the uh, apostolic missionaries coming from Australia uh, to start the church up here in Papua New Guinea.
0: And uh, just very quickly, uh, you and I share a common bond, having studied together back in 1988, and the chaplain in the year that you and I were studying together uh, was Harry Rea, who was the pioneering missionary for that apostolic movement in Papua New Guinea. And uh, what an amazing uh, chaplain that he was, and what an amazing story he had to tell uh, about the birth of a movement in PNG. Matthew, let's move to what we were uh, started to talk about a little, and this is the uh, the idea that Papua New Guinea being 98% declared uh, by people to say that they are Christian, but there's a move to declare PNG a Christian country, and this is being led by the Prime Minister. How does this all look uh, when you're on the ground in PNG? Um,
1: A few uh, maybe out there are saying, no, we shouldn't. Uh, But generally speaking, people in, in Papua New Guinea are really excited. Okay, uh, not in the sense that it'll become a state religion as such that imposes laws that stops the, you know, that infringes the freedom of uh, people to express themselves in terms of worship, uh, but to make a declaration, to make a statement to the nations of the earth that Papua New Guinea uh, is a Christian nation uh, guided by uh, and, and led by the principles Uh, of the Word of God, and uh, that is our identity, and that is who we are. Uh,
0: From my own personal experience in Papua New Guinea, you've got a very wide acceptance of Christianity, but just below the surface is the simmering Tribal religions that have been a part of PNG life. What can you tell us about you know what sort of things happen uh, in tribal groups and uh, places where you go to be a preacher of the gospel?
1: Yeah, well, uh, wherever you go, there, there are a little bit of tribal spiritualists, uh, 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 kind of not worship uh, the fear and. And 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 their identities are still out there, uh, but Christianity in principle has done a very good job. Like where we come from, or where I come from, is almost down to zero. There's nothing about our ancestral worship, or 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 witchcraft, or anything of that nature. People have, by the grace of God, when the the Pentecostal missionaries came to where our church started. Uh, basically everything. Uh, they dropped off everything and they turned to the Lord. And so you have, have a community of three, four, five thousand people who identify them with the church. And so they don't want to have anything to do uh, with what their ancestors did. And so it's basically about the bad things that they did and the good things they carry on into the church, which goes in parallel with the Word of God. Uh, but generally speaking, as yes, Papua New Guinea... Uh, in every corners of Papua New Guinea, you go to, everyone identify, identify themselves with uh, uh, with, the church and uh, Judeo-Christian practices and every, everything else that was in the past has basically gone underground, so to speak.
0: When we talk about ancestor worship, and you mentioned witchcraft and uh, that sort of tribal animist culture that creates uh, what we would call superstitions, Uh, the idea of being delivered from fear and uh, those things that suppress the individual. I wonder whether you've got a perspective here about the difference that the gospel makes because... When we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're talking about freedom that comes from responding to the gospel, and that does away with all of these other things that create a bondage to superstitions. Have you got any thoughts there about what happens when the gospel comes into communities in in Papua New Guinea?
1: Yeah, now thank you, Neil. That is a great uh, question out there because it really relates to where you are at and from what community that you come from okay like in the western world there's no need for superstitions because everything that you need in terms of medical health and uh what not are readily available but when you go to this place uh people we show they tend to someone that is far superior for health and so they start to worship the and sisters who pray to them, pay homage to them, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and that has always been the case. And I believe that is always that is, has been the case also in the uh, medieval time in, in, in Europe, so to speak. And so, this is not something new, that is something that uh, generations passed the practice. Uh, but for Papua New Guinea when the Word of God entered into our areas, and I'm a, first, a second generation, my father was the first generation that had contact with the white men. And so literally my father would tell us that when the white men came and the gospel preached at an effect, uh, and, and it impacted community, they would basically see the power of God moving in such a way, and prophetic utterances, messages that were really was poured on, and you know, even the dead, Those that have died, you know, are resurrected. They've seen the power of God at work and at move. And so here we are, a country that is so superstitious, as you would call, or they're locking with the spiritual, uh, in the spiritual world. And so all of a sudden, the white man comes in from Australia. They come with a message that there is a good God. And so that cares so much about us, that love us, and he's a God of the impossible, and there are no other gods beside him. And so when people had that gospel, it was a great place for that, because this gospel brought hope. This gospel did not bring fear. It brought hope and a sense of release and and relief, and so everyone resorted to that—a God that is caring, loving, forgiving, a God that is out there to protect them. And so, and God actually at the time, the, uh, at that period, manifested His power, and people could literally feel and see God's work. <laughs>
0: Is this still something of the message that you carry when you're travelling up and down everywhere in Papua New Guinea? The idea when you turn to the God of the Bible who is superior... Uh, the power of God comes. He is a good God. Uh, that fear that you've held under the superstitions of the ancestor worship and the witchcraft and the animism, it's replaced by hope in the goodness of God. Is that the way that part of the gospel that you carry, is that part of what you carry into those communities?
1: Yes, doc, I do that. You know, one instance where I had to travel on for 10 and a half hours sitting on a dugout canoe, Going into this godforsaken area where no development are, people practice witchcraft and everything. And as we were traveling, uh, uh, all of a sudden there was the wind and wave and everything, and uh, the seas, uh, you could see the storm coming. And so the people that were taken out there from the area, all of a sudden they got some stuff off their backs and everything and they start to perform the ritual so that the sea god or whoever they were trying to pray to would stop the rain and everything and i told the missionary guys that we were come on let us start to 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 worship god and sing praise and worship and we started to sing in the spirit and everything and you know what And this is truly, these people got up and said later on, we had to put our our stuff because we realized that you guys had something that was more powerful, that was more uh, uh, effective, and that our power was no match with what you had. And these are the kind of testimonies that we have
0: in some sense uh, people often will talk about it and it's not always a right way to talk theologically but uh, a stronger kind of magic uh, that comes when you bring the gospel and uh, while we don't ever think of the gospel as bringing magic when you're talking to people who believe in magic that's what uh, they discover, a stronger type of magic when you're doing an evangelistic campaign Matthew Uh, into remote places where a lot of this animistic witchcraft and ancestor worship is part of their life. What happens when you're preaching the gospel and you have, I guess, you have some sort of altar call and people come forward and their prayer lines? uh, Are there miracles? What sort of things are happening when you have those sorts of meetings?
1: Uh, Definitely. Uh, I'm not going to call names of churches here, but you have... Uh, Papua New Guinea, when the first missionaries came, uh, that was divided and some church groups were allowed to go in one particular area, etc., etc., with an agreement from the colonial government at the time. And so you have pockets of places where uh, the uh, evangelical charismatic kind of message that we preach uh, had never been preached. And so you find, although they're Christian, uh, they still have their uh, animistic uh, it's uh, still kind of stronghold still out there, and they still practice. At the same time, going to church, and we call that no, we call that nom- normalism. And so when we, when I go out there, uh, I, you know, we believe in the spirit of God and the gifts of the spirit that could descend mm-hmm. things, and you could descend with which message to preach, and you could fear you could understand. Okay, that strong religious spirit in the air that is mixed with fear and animist. Uh, uh, spiritual uh, cal- uh, the ancestor uh spiritual worship etc etc, and so with that equipped, I preached the gospel that God not only come to liberate us and set us free from sin and death but also from the bondage of fear and from uh, and social spirit, worship, etc., etc. And people would come, and they would manifest. And when they come to the front, we call out the call. Uh, when they come to the front with a laying of hand, they could be slain, and they would be starting to manifest. And so you cast the devil's spirit out from them. And yeah, great things happen. And there's still power in the gospel, the pure gospel that we preach.
0: Well, the w- way that you pray for people. People being healed, uh, as you say, uh, the devils being cast out of them, uh, deliverance that happens. And when you go into communities, and no doubt some of these communities uh, haven't had much exposure to the gospel at all, and uh, you're looking to plant churches in those communities, uh, what happens after you have big campaigns and there's uh, a lot of people turning to Christ, uh, how do you establish a church in these communities?
1: Well, the amazing thing is that those that are saved uh, genuinely saved, they want to take churches back to their home, and this is how we spread the gospel. Because this is how we build churches: is that when once they get saved in a evangelical, uh, evangelistic crusade, and they say, "Man, I want to take this church back to my area," and so this is how they take the gospel back to their areas. We send pastors out there to plant church, and so this is, and so this is how we move around this nation with the gospel of Jesus.
0: Wonderful. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Carol is in New South Wales. Hi, Carol. Welcome.
2: Good. Good morning. God bless you. Um, brother uh, Matthew, it's lovely to hear your voice and I'm nearly in tears with joy of what uh, your Prime Minister James Murphy has proclaimed. Uh, hopefully it will become... Um, they're a Christian country in that way but my late late husband was assistant director of missions in um, 4A Garokan or however you pronounce that in 1960s early 1960s he's with the Lord he'd be 103 if he was alive and there were wonderful missionaries I knew they're all with glory now Verdi and Ivy Mitchell and the booze and that uh, So wonderful they saw mighty acts of God like in the book of Acts that God did for the wonderful people in New Guinea and I still pray for you all there.
0: Wonderful, Carol. Uh, Matthew, your thoughts for Carol?
1: Carol, thank you so much. We owe it to the missionaries that came into Papua New Guinea and, uh, you know, like in my area, we have six missionaries that are buried over there. They came up in the 1950s. They died in 50s, 60s. And so we couldn't repatri- repatriate the bodies because they were far out there in the Norway. And so we have missionaries who have laid down their lives for this nation. And we owe it to you all. Carol, I want to say God bless your heart and God bless the family. And I know that regardless of what you go through in life right now, wherever you are, God will be faithful to you, and so our prayers are with you. Always, the missionaries that have come to this nation and laid their down their lives, and this is the reason why Honorable Prime Minister James Marave is is pushing for uh, this is actually a constitutional change, Section One Forty Five that gives us freedom of religion, but he wants to make it a little bit better than that. Uh, this nation has been built on the principles of the. Christian-Judaio practices and said, no, this nation is who we are. Our identity is in God, and we have to make a statement to the world, and so this is what he's pushing right now.
0: Carol, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Matthew Tapus. He leads a 600-strong movement, the Christian Apostolic Fellowship in Papua New Guinea. We're getting an opportunity to check the spiritual pulse of Papua New Guinea. And, Matthew, when we talk about a nation being declared a Christian nation, and as you say, there'll be a opportunity for people to... Vote in a a referendum that will be coming up very soon. There is a sense here, isn't there, that uh, you win either way because if there is a declaration of a Christian nation, that can have its positive effect. It may also have a negative effect. Uh, But the opposite is true as well. While there is a Tension and a battle that goes on that says what are the values that undergird a nation, that's always going to be in the national dialogue here. How do you feel about the referendum when it will come as to the way you think people will vote?
1: Uh, the referendum, as we speak, had uh, basically a survey that has been done prior because it's a major constitutional change. Survey has been done, questions have been asked by the government, and that's already been done. People from the Department of the Law and Justice have gone around to the, uh, the corners of Papua New Guinea. And they've already got the information that they need put the, uh, put the uh, uh, thing uh, into, into debate now at the floor of the parliament. And so with that, I think uh, it'll be declared as a Christian nation. And uh, this has been done basically, Neil, for this reason. You know, look at Australia, look at America, you look at the Great Britain, you look at New Zealand. These were great missionary-sending s- s- nations who were built on strong principles of the Word of God. And then all of a sudden we see changes happening, and you look at the uh, gay movement, the lesbian. That is, the Bible has been taken away from schools and prayer, mm-hmm. away from uh, from the parliament, and everything that is happening. And we don't want to go down that track we don't want to go to the same with the uh, uh, other nations who have once been great and mighty in proclaiming the gospel of jesus christ now going down that road and we said no that's not going to happen if there is something that must happen then papua New Guinea has to rise up and make a statement so that we will protect our identity uh, basing on the word of god and so this is i believe uh, at the first step that we're attacking in that, not that we're going to, uh, the 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 thing beyond is not that we're going to push that and infringe people and say you do this and you do that, but the fact of the matter is that this nation, as we speak right now, has been bettered, the principle of Christian Judeo, the uh, in the word of God and that is it. And we have also five years ago brought in one of the remaining original King James Version, which is now about four hundred five six years old. That's sitting at the floor, sitting at the speaker's table right now in, 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 in the parliament. And whilst these things are happening, that is our heritage. Otherwise, you have in Papua New Guinea, you have a thousand tribes. You have 800 and almost a thousand different languages. So you have a nation that is a thousand nations within a nation. And when we try to bring this the thousand tribes and nations together with every other thing, it won't work. The only thing that will bring this nation together, thank God for the missionaries. They brought the word of God, the length, width, and the breadth of this nation. And that is the thing that now we have identified that held this nation together. And this is the reason why uh, our government is pushing for a uh, declaration of Papua New Guinea as a Christian nation.
0: So the gospel has united a nation in Papua New Guinea, and uh, you've had a taste of the sort of flourishing that comes when you displace the fears of superstition, and you replace those with the hope that comes in the gospel. What a powerful testimony that is. And Matthew, let me just, only a few minutes remaining in our conversation, but I know that there's a need for good, solid, sound Bible teaching in Papua New Guinea, and you've got to bit of a call-out that says if you've got theological books sitting on your bookshelf at home that you don't use, uh, they could be very useful in PNG. Uh, what are your thoughts for uh, for developing leaders, for the idea of theological books? Uh, what's, what's the real need that you can see across the whole nation?
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Right now, as we speak, uh, like any other developing nation, uh, it's always the need for a developing good strong, Christian-based leadership. And so uh, we have Bible colleges in our denomination, about three, four, five Bible colleges that are out there that uh, basically need good, solid uh, theological books. And so this is a, a call going out to anyone who have books that are sitting out there that need, uh, that would like to help with us, uh, with the Bible schools that we have. that will be good, not only us but, uh, us, but I also believe in every other churches in Papua New Guinea because books are very expensive, especially theological books are very expensive. And so I know uh, in Australia the the books that are out there that you might, might be sitting on yourself doing nothing could be very well put into use in Papua New Guinea. Thank you.
0: Okay, well, a need for theological books, uh, you can send those to Papua New Guinea. And uh, to get a connection to Matthew Tarpus, uh, the best way is via a Facebook connection. And uh, Matthew, for people who are listening and uh, wanting to connect with you on Facebook, so it's Matthew Hewitt Tarpus, T-A-P-U-S, Matthew Hewitt Tarpus. Uh, and uh, so the connecting with you there, and uh, I imagine that's how they'll find an address to send theological books to. Would that be the best way to get them to you?
1: Yep, definitely.
0: Okay, so you'll find an address when you connect with Matthew Tapus on his Facebook page and the need for theological books, how you can do something practical today that helps the expression of the gospel and the uh, enlarging of the gospel in Papua New Guinea. Matthew, before I let you go, uh, let me just ask you very, very quickly, uh, you've also got some missionary things that are happening and you're reaching out and planting churches in the Philippines. That's something that's been uh, on your heart for a little while.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's something that has been in my heart for a while. Even when we were down at the Bible College, I knew that God had a calling for me to reach to the nations of the uh, Earth, world, and basically around the uh, Asia, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, nations, and so. Something started three years ago, and we have three, four churches now right now in the Philippines, and uh, yeah, and we're looking at. I'm looking at. Uh, Myanmar and uh, Thailand, I should have been there last year, but the COVID-19 thing didn't allow me to go, but God willing. And when the uh, uh, international borders are open, yes, definitely moving in that direction. Thank you so much, Neil.
0: Wonderful stuff. And, Matthew, wonderful to connect once again. Matthew Tarpus is the national leader of the Australian Apostolic Fellowship in Papua New Guinea. You can connect with Matthew on his Facebook page, Matthew Hewitt. TAPUS, T-A-P-U-S and as he says, there is a need for theological books and you can send those uh, to an address you can ask Matthew for on his Facebook page, uh, but get those theological books there as Matthew says Uh, not everybody who's going to be studying the Bible in Papua New Guinea is coming from any wealthy background and theological books can be very expensive but if you can get them to PNG uh, they won't go astray they'll be used and used and used and it'll develop strong and mature leaders so theological books send them to png and i think you said matthew where uh, there's something like 35 bible colleges uh, just in uh, your own movement the christian uh, apostolic. No,
2: sorry. sorry we have uh, five
1: sorry five. five five
0: okay so five bible yeah. colleges uh, that are in need of books right now so uh, matthew hewitt tapus you can connect on facebook matthew uh, wonderful to catch up once again, my good friend, my wontok, uh, which is uh, which is a good friend uh, expression for uh, Aussie listeners. But uh, Matthew, uh, wontok, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020.
1: Uh, thank you so much, uh, Neil, and yeah, welcome and uh, audience, Australian audience. Thank you so much for listening, uh, your prayers, and also reciprocal our prayers to your great nation. We love you all.